Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the eighth episode of the Ballhawks podcast. This is our third episode in, uh, I guess, an exact week now. Uh, You guys asked for it. You guys asked for the extra content. And we deliver a podcast of the people, some might say. I am your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me on Twitter at SSFisher87. And I am joined, as always by my assistant today uh baloo or bagheera i i couldn't remember who the actual sidekick is uh christopher let's go with kenneth phillips what's happening dude (laughs) hi steve (laughs) i'm guessing Um, that's a no as well you were wrong again. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you some credit. I, I do have an uncle Ken, so Ooh. Uh, some some credit. But you are still uh, not close. If we were doing the Easter egg hunt, uh, hot or cold, I'm still giving you a cold. <laughs> uh, as as far as Jungle Book sidekick, I mean that's a good question. I mean, really, they're both sidekicks, right? Bagheera's kind of there. At the start, uh, Mowgli decides Bagheera is, uh, you know, not not who he wants to be with, and he goes and hangs out with Baloo. Uh, so it's it's kind of both, but I'm gonna go with Baloo because uh, he's more fun, and I'd like to think that I'm also more fun, but really I'm probably a Bagheera. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a fun guy, some might say. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, of course, happy to be back, man. Another Sunday, like you said, uh, three episodes in, in one week. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's been a thrill. Uh, we're, we're happy to do it. Please, of course, give me a follow as well uh, over on Twitter at PhillipsChris12. Don't forget the podcast account uh, as well, at BallHawks underscore pod. Uh, what, uh, what did you and the wife get up to today, Steve? Uh, she was actually working, so we had a uh, a fun child-filled day minus we. I guess it would be I had a fun child-filled day on this beautiful Sunday. The weather's nice. Can't complain. Gorgeous. Um, yeah. We, uh, we have a little update on our bet of last episode. Um, I guess technically it was two episodes ago I... I challenged Chris live and kind of put him on the spot. Um, so he has to beat Rich Eisen's 40-yard dash time or else he has to make a donation to, uh, we decided, BC Children's Hospital. And if he does make it, then I got to pony up the money. So either way, we're happy to 
I guess, pony up money for uh, the kids. So I, I messaged you earlier in the day, and we thought we had Rich's time nailed at a 528, I think is what you had said. And I think I was that's catching, what I saw as well, yeah. Yeah, and I was catching up on some podcasts uh, today, and turns out he has... No, or I guess this was a Friday episode, so he... I haven't looked into it yet, but he may have ran his 40 this weekend because on his Friday episode, he said he had not uh, done the actual run yet. And he was actually throwing out ideas of what his attire might be. And as you know, he kind of wears like his suit and he wears his flapping tie and all that jazz. So uh, give us a little update on on your training for your big day. And can you give us any spoilers on what you might be wearing? Yeah. I, I don't know if it was so much of, uh, you know, you putting me on the spot and, and, uh, and, and making this bet as, as it was me with my loud mouth, um, you know, <laughs> and now being forced to put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm obviously training really hard for this shaking my head no right now um I, i've i've actually had two high level athletes offer to train me um of course andrew last episode offered to take me out and uh and train me uh I, i've got a guy at work who uh, actually played at butte community college uh he played football down there and he's offered to train with me as well and you know i think i just could, i just got to show up and just do this thing yeah, I mean, I, I've seen you run before. It, it's not pretty, but I don't think it's as ugly as a Rich Eisen run. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm no Phoebe from Friends, but uh, <laughs> but I could figure this thing out. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm being nice. It, it's a close comparison. Like, that might be your NFL comp, you know, when, like, they write up the bios, like Phoebe flailing. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as what I'm going to wear, I, I, I haven't decided yet. I, I did have uh, one listener ask if I've run my 40 in my spandex yet. So apparently that's uh, <laughs> that's out out in the world that I might show up in, in spandex. Um, I, I think my dad texted me that I should have to run it in a suit like Rich does. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I haven't really decided yet. Uh, maybe we should... Uh, create a Twitter poll and, and leave it to the people and, and ask them what, what I should wear. Oh, the, this bet keeps getting better and better. Like the more just yeah, subtle, stupid things I throw out there for suggestions, people are, seem to be running with it. Like I know the spandex one I said, and oh, Rich runs it in his suit. So, uh, I, I'm really happy. The listeners are kind of on your case about it. Um, it's all for fun. I, I will kind of out myself here a little bit. Um, last episode, we talked with Andrew and he knew of, uh, I guess, the guy I work with, Nick, who we ended up racing on Friday. And uh, I'm quite disappointed to say that I lost the first race by, let's say, a healthy step and a half, two steps. It, it wasn't a photo finish. Um, your boy came out of the gates real slow. Um, you know, really trying to take on that tortoise kind of roll right from the start. Um, of course, this is in front of about 
200 people not actually lying about that. Things kind of took off a little bit. So, you know, losing by a, a healthy couple steps was, uh, you know, humbling to say the least. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, of course, when everybody leaves, we decide that we're going to do it again. And with, I think, about 10 to 15 spectators, I actually totally redeem myself and win the second race. I come out of the gates flying, um, beaten by, you know, a couple inches. It's a photo finish. So, you know, I go one and one on the races, but I am conceding that he is faster than I am. And uh, I will have his pizza for him that we bet. So there was my humbling moment. You know, I I, I, uh, I I haven't seen video yet, but I heard he beat you with a six eight five time. And Steve, that's just embarrassing. Like you're you're calling me out saying I I can't beat Rich's five two eight, and you got beat by a six eight five. We'll uh, we'll see if Nick is listening to this episode because if he hears that, um, he's gonna lose <laughs> his mind, and it's gonna be great. We had. Um, Let's let's say some amateur timing, and uh, it was officially clocked in at Nick's win of six eight five, and uh, I'd like to think I'm a substantially faster than that, but it it was lots of fun. Uh, Nick is a high level athlete; he is uber fast, and it, it you know being a guy who loves sports and playing it, watching it, it's just fun competing against other people. So it was a lot of fun. You're competing against high-level athletes. I'm competing against 51-year-old Rich Eisen. <laughs> hey, he, he's a high-level athlete. And if not, he's a high-level media guy. So maybe that'll put you up the ranks at least. He's higher levels on probably all things uh, when compared to me. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just here, I'm just here to have fun, guys. That's right. Okay, let's, uh, let's start a little NFL news. There, we kind of debated even doing this episode because, well, not a lot has really happened um, in the last little bit here. But there's there's a couple things that I think are are kind of fun topics to touch on, and the first one happened earlier in the week, and that was Washington football team is kind of throwing out uh, some names about who they want to be. Right, we all know the the issues when they were formerly the Washington Redskins. They decide that they are taking, you know, a leave from announcing what their name is for an entire season. So, I've got a list in front of me here, Chris, and without knowing any of, I, I well, I guess I should ask first. You know, I don't think you know any sort of background information on the D.C. area. Um, yeah, he's shaking his head no. Nope. I, I don't nope. really Sorry. know the Yeah, I don't really know the the background or like what some of these names might entail, but if you had to pick one of these names for the franchise, which are you picking? So we've got the Aces, we've got the First City Football Club, or FCFC Ooh. for short. We've Gross. got the Okay, we'll take that one off the board. <laughs> uh the Archers the Beacons, uh, this one's been floated around a lot, the Red Tails, the Razorbacks, the Defenders, and yes, they are floating around football team. 
to permanently be the Washington football team. Any any of those kind of get you excited for a jersey or anything? No. <laughs> those are all I mean, the the Washington Defenders sounds like an XFL team, maybe even a, a arena football league. Um, that that not a fan of that one at all. Um, honestly, of, of the choices that you presented there, like Red Tails is, is okay. Um, I, I, I know when they uh, ditched the Redskins moniker uh, and before they announced that they were just going to go for the as the Washington football team, I think Red Tails was the one that was kind of circulating the most as far as, you know, like this is what they should go with or will go with there. And there's a few, uh, I, I think logos and even mock-ups done up for the Red Tails. I think it's something, um, tied in with the, uh, with the, uh, I don't know, army, Navy, something along those lines. Um, there was a couple other ones I saw out there. Now, of, of course, the, these names are all being leaked um, because they're, they're sending out letters to their season ticket holders uh, with randomly generated names. So each season ticket holder could end up with a different list of names than another season ticket holder oh, and weird. asking and, and they're polling them to get the answers. Right. Wow. I didn't uh, yeah. know that. That's weird. Yeah. It's, it, and I mean, it, Part of me is is questioning, and this is probably just the, uh, you know, the the conspiracy side of, of me being like, is this maybe just a smokescreen, and they're pulling their season ticket holders, knowing that these are all all these names are going to leak out, knowing full well they have something tucked aside already, and they have their new name picked out for next season. Uh, I don't know. That's again just that that's a, a conspiracy theory. It's probably something for Andrew's podcast, not our podcast. I was just gonna say, let's let's uh, hit up ATT and see what they can come up with. Yeah, but uh, I, I I wrote down a couple other ones that uh, that I saw uh, floating on the internet that I didn't mind. Um, we had the Washington Renegades, which it's okay, but I, I'm pretty sure the Ottawa uh, team in uh, the Canadian Football League wasn't there an Ottawa Renegades at one point in time. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do kind of go back to that and they weren't very successful. So, Hey, you know what? It'll, it'll fit really well in Washington then. Um, and then of course the, the Razorbacks, isn't that what the new Ottawa team is in the CFL? No, Ottawa's the Red Blacks. Razorbacks oh, the Red Blacks. is, That's right. uh, Razorbacks is Arkansas. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then we got to uh, take that out. You can't copy another team. Right, yeah, and, and then Washington Warriors. Um, Warriors is such an over... There's too many pro sports team names with the Warriors. It's just overdone, right? Like, it's yeah. overplayed, it's overdone. Uh, you hear it all the time, like, the, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Warriors, you know, beer league hockey team name is the Warriors. Like, it's just, it, it's not, I don't know. It, Nothing it, against again, the West Kelowna Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and again, it's, it's on my list of of uh, of good names, but I still don't think it's a great option. Um, of the three that I have written down here, uh, this one actually I think would be really good is the Red Wolves. 
Oh yeah, I heard that one kind of floated around a lot. I want I want to say at the start of last year it was floated around quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I know. Um, well, I, I know a, a former player of theirs, um, Will Compton, was kind of uh, getting behind the Red Wolves because he was a former player, and then the podcast that he's on, uh, you know, they refer to their listeners as as Wolves. Uh, so he was kind of. Uh, jumping all over that and and getting that one circulating um there's a lot of really bad options too though yeah like the first <laughs> like, city football club the fc fc or or they also i saw one the washington dc football club so dc oh. fc equally bad oh. um like imagine like, imagine whoever's sitting in these boardrooms probably making like you know a healthy you know good six figures and then some they're sitting down there there's like 15 of them of course in one boardroom and they're like how about the fcdc and everyone's like yeah wow like they all stand up and start clapping and like, yeah it's like how did you even think of that i don't know i just started putting letters together and all of a sudden it just came out like yeah we gotta get john arrays over here yeah, there's, there's just I like I said I I do think that this is all smoke and mirrors. I I, I think Dan Snyder's got his new team name picked out already. Yeah. Um, you know it, it it takes time to create logos and merchandise and branding jerseys with Nike. Like there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in regards to actually creating a new team name that if they're just now sending out team names to season ticket holders with the intention of having a new team name in place for the 2022 season, I just don't buy it. I I think they've already got something picked out. They're already working on logos. They're already working on, you know, uh, word marks and and branding and and all of that stuff. So I I don't think we end up seeing any of these names. Yeah, that's a really good point. If uh, I agree, if they have a name for 2022 um, or I guess 2021 season, they definitely have it picked out already. Or else, it, it, if they don't, then they're probably going another year as the football team, most likely, before they actually they get the branding going. So they've already picked it out, or, you know, they're just, maybe they've started it now and they're going to play this next season as the football team still. And who knows me, maybe that's like, maybe that's the team name. So they don't have to like rebrand everything. It's already kind of out there. They've got all of this stuff with Nike. Um, you know, Dan Snyder could take the cheap route and just say like, oh, well, that's what our fans, you know, have associated with for the last couple of years and we're starting to like it. They they have already announced this upcoming season. They are playing as the Washington football team again for one more season. Oh, I at missed least. that. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that, that's already been, like, I don't know. I don't want to say written in stone, but that that is confirmed. They have already already said that they are doing that. So this is all for the 2022 season. But you're right. I honestly, what's wrong with the Washington football team? I hate it. It's really? stupid. It's boring. It's lame. It doesn't say anything about your team. It's like 
the most it's like generic name of like of all time there there's no more generic of a name than you can get for that like think to other sports we are the vancouver hockey team wow creative so are the rest of the league like it has nothing to do with like there's no sense of individuality there's no sense of like we can get behind you know even the fcfc as dumb as that sounds it's something different yeah there's 32 football teams you're not the only football team you're just saying we play football and this is our city it's boring but it maybe that's why i I like it because in comparison it is different right it is every other team in the league has their team you know their their city and their mascot baltimore ravens the seattle seahawks the Dallas Cowboys, the the whatever, right? So why not go with the Washington football team? It's different. It stands out. The only thing about it is every time I see WFT, I my brain converts it to WTF, which every time fully suits the way the Washington football team plays. <laughs> but I mean, it, it it's got a it does have a bit of a you know English soccer vibe to it like it totally you, you hear soccer. you hear manchester united right and that's all you ever hear manchester united but if if i'm not mistaken their you know their mascot name is the red devils so why not be the washington football team but also have you know in in the background a, a mascot name of you know the, the red tails or or what what whatever it may be yeah i mean I guess it's always an option. I, 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 I'm a big fan of having that team name so you can build, you know, we both worked at Jersey city for ages so you can have that cool merchandise. Um, you know, you have your Seahawk on your hat or you have your red tail on your hat, whatever it is. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the WTF as how they play. I was actually looking at the list and defenders would be a really cool way to start like a brand new era since everything we know about Washington right now and the way they play football is defense, defense, defense. Like their defense is so nasty. Like this could be a totally different like new era of Washington fans where they're not thinking about like the the days of the fun bunch guys and stuff like that. It's like, you know, the Washington defenders are like the new age Washington football team. Um, anyways, just kind of a cool little thought and you can start kind of picturing some of that merchandise they might have. Um, one of the other ones that happened just recently, and I'd love to get your take on it since he uh, was a Seahawk, was the Cleveland Browns got Jadavian Clowney. Uh, on a one-year deal worth $8 million. And I looked it up just before coming on here. And his cap hit is only $3.87 million. What do you think of that one? How the hell did Jadevian <laughs> Clowney get an $8 million contract? What were the Cleveland Browns thinking? I don't care what the cap hit is. He should have signed a one-year $3 million contract. He shouldn't have signed a one-year $8 million contract with a $3 million cap hit. 
His cap hit should be the league minimum. <laughs> he is, don't get me wrong, he played well when he was in Seattle. Uh, you know, he, he tore his groin or pretty early in the season and, and battled through it and played through it uh, and, and still was a fairly productive player. But the way that that guy tr- handled his offseason last year and then how he then went to Tennessee and performed so poorly and still turned that into an $8 million contract. Like talk about living off of your laurels. Hey, like first overall draft pick, however many years ago. And so therefore the Cleveland Browns still signed him to this just absolutely garbage contract. I mean, he, he came out, I, I saw a thing earlier today where it's like, you know, like, I just, I just never really felt comfortable in Tennessee, and I just didn't quite feel comfortable in the system or feel feel comfortable physically. Well, no kidding, you didn't feel comfortable. You didn't show up to training camp. You you didn't <laughs> sign a contract till <laughs> September. Like, what are you what are you thinking? Like, yeah, of course. It, oh, like sign a one year contract and expect to just show up in this brand new system and know what the hell you're gonna be doing. Like, give me a break, man. I mean. I'm sure the the Browns are are happy and it it you know he 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 does well uh you know stuffing the run and, and protecting the run but I, I I hope you guys aren't uh hoping for any sack production out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, it is funny the last few years how he's kind of been betting on himself and like you said, kind of living off of the mantra of I was the first overall pick in I think it was like 2014. And I'm going to keep betting on myself, but I'm never producing at the rate um, to kind of warrant that big money. Now, I will say he, he's turning 29 this year, so he's still got lots of football left in him. Um, like you said, he does stuff the run really well. And, you know, if there is that kind of perfect system... He's finally going to get paired opposite somebody who you have to double team. And a couple of friends of mine, we were chatting about Clowney. And I think he was one of the top five uh, highest double team like rate in the NFL. And now defenses aren't going to be able to do that. You can't double team Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. So who knows? Maybe this is like the thing that kind of re-sparks his career in terms of sacks I've never really been that big of a oh you don't have sack production so you're you know not a valuable edge rusher think back to um uh, Zadarius Smith's contract year with the Ravens I think he had something like seven sacks right the Ravens haven't had like a big sack guy in a long time but his uh pressure rate was through the roof he always put pressure on the quarterback and then he signs this big contract with green bay um i want to say it's something like in the 17 million range and people were kind of like oh my goodness did you just pay 17 a year for a guy who was getting you know under double digit sacks now he's looked at as like one of the best contracts most productive guys in terms of edge rushers so he's he's got the athleticism to do it. Um, I personally, I hate it because I hate that the Cleveland Browns got, you know, a quality starter 
for under $4 million. I don't care if it says $8 million or $7 million. The only thing I care about when my team signs somebody really is the cap number, how many years and how much dead money. And obviously like, you know, paying a guy to start opposite on the D for under $4 million. I I think it's a huge win for them. The other thing with, Clowny and it, it, it's not just sack production. I I mentioned when he was the Seahawks, he got hurt. He battled through it last year with Tennessee. He got hurt. He didn't battle through it. He got placed on IR and missed the rest of the year. He's, he's definitely had uh, some, some health issues and, and struggled staying on the field. I, I know when I saw, I think it was last week when, there was talks that he was going to Cleveland for a visit and I was tweeting at, at Ted and Ted was like, well, like that, that'd be great pairing him with miles Garrett and blah, 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 blah. And said, yeah, enjoy it for the four games a year that you actually have both guys healthy. Cause Clowney has struggled. And I mean, they, they did sign tack McKinley as well. So maybe they use Clowney and tack as rotational guys so that they're not, getting hurt and they're not uh you know missing large portions of the season but that's been something that's dogged clowny ever since his days in houston yeah it's it's really true if he stays healthy if tax stays healthy if garrett stays healthy that is a scary scary front seven i know they just lost um sheldon richardson they released him but still um you rotate Clowney and Tack and then have Garrett on the other side like so you always have a fresh guy with Garrett that's that's a scary thing to think about for somebody who sees them twice a year um let's flip the news to one of the things that happened with the Seahawks just recently here they got uh Alden Smith on a one-year deal what do you what do you think about that and let everybody know kind of do you know the contract details uh, just before I touch on Alden Smith, I just uh, Sheldon Richard, Richardson. I'm I'm leaning into my microphone right now, <laughs> and if you're listening, please come back to Seattle. We would love to have you. We love you. You're the best, and <laughs> I will buy your jersey as long as I don't have to pay duty on it. So please come back to Seattle. Thank you. Signed, Christopher Phillips. Oh, right. I thought you were gonna throw your middle name in there. I Oof. thought I thought oh, you were gonna man. put you were gonna throw the faux pas and tell me your middle name. Um, that, that was, that just was in, tough just in case you know, Sheldon I, Richardson I, I, is listening to this, I would also like you to come sign in Baltimore. We no, always I, love D linemen, so yeah. Uh, you know that that was tough, man. Put my I just put myself out there, put myself on the line there, and uh, you know I'm I'm feeling all warm and tingly right now. I just like like I just told the my the the, the girl at school that, that she has nice hair, and she's not saying your wife stopped listening to this. Um, yeah. Uh, episode one, my wife stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's why our numbers um, went way down. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Alden Smith, happy to have him. Uh, I, I was actually looking before we jumped on here. I There's no contract details yet. I'm assuming it's probably a, a, a one-year deal. Uh, not surprised Seattle signed him. He was someone that Seattle was interested in last season at the trade deadline and... and uh, Jerry wouldn't give him up. And so, of course, Seattle went out and 
and traded for Carlos Dunlap instead. Now they have both. Um, Alden came in back in March for a visit. There was rumors that he was going to sign at that point. Uh, nothing happened. There was, I, I, I think there were some issues, maybe some off-field issues that they had to kind of work out and figure out before they they committed to the guy. Um, I mean, of course, Alden Smith has had his fair share of off-season issues. Um, but no, I, I think it's a good signing. Uh, he's terrorized the Seahawks for years. He's got multiple sacks on Russell Wilson. I mean, last year he was playing for the Cowboys and I know he had at least one sack on Russell Wilson last year when he was playing for the Cowboys. Uh, and I'm sure he had multiple other pressures, you know, Alden Smith of course is famous in Seattle for the 2013 NFC championship game. Very first play of the game forced a fumble and the Niners defense recovered. And it's just like, Oh crap, here we go. Like <laughs> NFC championship game, fumble the first snap, like defense forces a fumble in the first snap. Like this is gonna be a long day, which I mean of course we all know how that game ended. I've got the the picture behind me there, Steve, in case you forgot. Um but yeah, no, it, it it's a good signing, good rotational guy to, to you know to fill in uh when and where they need him. Yeah, I think it's it's another added piece again a qual i think at this point in the game when you're getting quality starters on bargain prices you can't help but think it's kind of those low risk high reward type things that um you know could be those different pieces to winning a championship like you you want to bring in quality guys and at this point there's kind of like i guess I don't, I don't want to call an NFL player like slim pickings, but there really is slim pickings on like who's available and who's left. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that um, the Seahawks get a guy who they have shown interest in last year. Um, the, the news from the Ravens this past week was that they were bringing in um, Justin Houston for a visit and I, I think within those rumors they were bringing in other guys I think they had talked about wanting to bring Clowney in as well and um, Melvin Ingram you know the Ravens need edge rush help um, I guess Justin Houston went to Baltimore from all accounts the visit went well the interesting part right now um, is if you sign a guy to any sort of contract before the draft i want to i think we talked about this before like may 3rd is the date or something like that they do not or sorry they do count against your compensatory picks which um the ravens are like the top one or two teams in the league for getting comp picks since they've been given out so it was kind of funny on twitter the the fans were sort of i want to say hesitant to celebrate or hesitant to say you know let's sign houston there was like a whole slew of ravens fans that were like yeah you know what if you, if you land a guy like houston we were interested in him last year we need edge help this is a guy that's still productive in his later years he's not going to cost you a lot of money if that means you lose one of your comp picks from matthew judon or Ngakwe, so be it 
you know, you lose that fourth round comp pick, but you solidify the guy coming to Baltimore. And then on the other hand, you have the the crew that is like, well, what if you're able to sign him May 3rd and you get the comp pick? So it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too. Obviously, it comes with the risk that, you know, a team like Cleveland comes in and they say, hey, we like you. We want to sign you right now, right? They either don't care about the comp picks or their free agency rundown doesn't negatively impact uh, what those comp picks are. So I'm kind of, I I love extra picks. We talked about how they're kind of like a, a lottery ticket, even a fourth rounder. That's where the Ravens have found all of their productive edge rushers in the last like 15 years. So would I like to have Justin Houston? Absolutely. Do I want it to be on May 3rd? Absolutely. Is it going to happen? That's the waiting game to see. It's one of the more nerve-wracking things. Like the draft can't come fast enough. And then after the draft it's like, "Okay, let's let's start shoring up a couple holes here. Let's get Houston. Let's get this guy cuz it doesn't count anymore." And that's uh, I I saw a lot of um, similar conversation happening over on Seahawks Twitter in regards to Alden Smith of, you know, the Seahawks were interested in him in March, didn't sign him then. They're bringing him back in for another visit. You know, do they actually sign him this time or do they wait now until after May 3rd due to the, due, due to the comp picks? Um, and that's, I mean, with a guy like Justin Houston, like, I'm sure you don't have it handy there. Uh, but, you know, Matt Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, like, how many sacks did they have last year? Because Justin Houston had eight. Yeah, I, I I don't actually have the number in front of me, but I want to say that would either be at the top or very, very close. Like, the Ravens just have never, you know, other than Terrell Suggs in his prime years getting to I can't even remember what it was like 18 or 19 or something like that they haven't really had a guy that has just stood out as like the sack leader of their team that gets double digit sacks every time Um, and part of it is because of their defensive scheme and the defensive coordinators that they've had over the last like 10 years they do it in very like creative schemes so you'll have you know Marlon Humphrey at corner he will have like four sacks in a season. You'll have like a safety, have three. You'll have a nose tackle with two or three. Like it's just one of those complete team efforts where you look across the board and you're like, wow, like they've got a lot of guys with very little sacks. And to be honest, I'm okay with that because it says they can still get the job done by pressuring a quarterback, but they're not breaking the bank. If we know anything about guys on defense, especially in front sevens it's like well how many sacks did you have oh you only had five sacks well we can't pay you that much so you're either getting bargains um yeah well i don't think any free agent at at this stage in free agency right before the draft uh right before the uh comp pick calculation is about to kind of i guess roll over for i don't know they can't really think of any other term to to refer that to, but um, any free agent in this position right now, they're, they're not breaking the bank. They're they're not. I mean, 
they're not signing the 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 crazy deals that we saw in March when free agency first opened. But why not give up a potential comp pick for a guy like Justin Houston, who did pre- produce eight sacks last year, uh, who has shown that he can, even at these later stages in his career, still produce it at a high level. So now maybe you don't need to worry about a guy like Marlon Humphrey getting those sacks and you can use Marlowe to, uh, you know, drop back in coverage more and, and do those sorts of things. Right. Uh, I mean, get having a guy that can come in off a of DB blitz is, is great and all, but uh, if you can get the pressure from your front seven, then your defensive backfield can do what they need to do as well. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think for any viewer that's not a Ravens fan, I think you'd have to watch a bunch of Ravens games to truly understand why they're okay with that. Um, the unpredictability and the blitz rate of that defense is what makes it so good. Um, not only that, they've got you know a secondary that's I think they're actually the highest paid secondary in the in the entire NFL. And it's because they are asked to do things like, you know, corner blitzes. They're asked to drop back in coverage. They're asked to stop the run and things like that. So uh, Wink knows that he can call upon a guy to do that kind of stuff. So I wonder if that kind of factors into, you know what, we do want Justin Houston. I don't think there's, I think if the comp pick formula ended right now, I think he would have seen a contract already. I think they like him. I think they want him. I just think there's always something in the back of their mind that says, well, what if we get him and the fourth round pick? I mean, think about some of the guys they've gotten in the fourth round and later. They've gotten guys like Matt Judon. They've got guys like Pernell McPhee, Zadarius Smith, like guys that are still producing to this day and are high level players. So it's like, okay, worst case scenario, we still get our fourth round pick. And we have to pick up another edge rusher that's not named Justin Houston. So I guess there's a little bit of comfortability with being okay if he decides to go. Okay, we kind of got something for you guys here. Um, We decided we were going to take a trip down memory lane. And what we're going to start with, Chris, is... Why did you, or I guess maybe the better question would be, how did you become a Seahawks fan? We asked this to Andrew um, on our, our Friday episode there, how he became a Lions fan. He didn't have maybe the greatest story, but um, thought we'd take a little trip down memory lane on a couple things here. So tell everyone how or why did you become a Seahawks fan? Yeah, it, it, it's a very common question for our guests. Uh, I, I know we asked Ted the same question, and uh, and Ted's response was because he got a really crappy Bernie Kosar poster. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. I got a yeah, poster, yeah. so I became between, a Browns fan. Between Ted's Bernie Car- Kosar poster, uh, Andrew's love for Bev- Beverly Hills Cop, uh my story honestly is not much better um 
I started cheering for the Seattle Seahawks in probably around that 2002, 2003 um, age or uh, years, uh, somewhere around there anyways. I mean, I, I watched football before that, never really had a team. Uh, you know, I my, my daddy used to always joke that we'd watch the Super Bowl and I'd just pick whatever team uh to cheer for in the Super Bowl that he wasn't cheering for. So I'd always kind of bet against him. But when it came down to my actual favorite team, uh, I, I decided to side with my dad. And I started cheering for the Seattle Seahawks because, well, dad does. Uh, I mean, of course, there there is also the, uh, the, the, the proximity. They are the closest NFL team to, to where we live. So yeah, it's I mean it's nothing, nothing exciting, uh, nothing like hey like this happened and that's why or this player or, or anything like that. It you know it's just siding with the old man and 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 sticking with it. Now there were a couple moments that kind of happened in those early years that I was like, okay yeah like this is my team. <laughs> like there was uh, I, I think it was the maybe the 05 playoffs when, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks won the division. Uh, they hosted the St. Louis Rams in a wild card game. Uh, it, it, it was a close battle the entire game. The Seahawks drove the, the, you know, drove the field. They were in position to score the game-winning touchdown. Uh, it was, you know, it was fourth down, last option, like seconds left on the clock. Matt Hasselbeck throws the ball to Bobby Ingram in the end zone. Bobby Ingram, super clutch. He's going to catch everything, drops the ball. And it's just like, oh, man. Like, and, 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 you know, like being a Vancouver Canucks fan, I was like, I know this pain. Like, I, I, so I recognize this. It's, this is so familiar. Like, these are, this, these are my guys. Like, I, I you know, th- this team that just, you know, gets your hopes up just to, like, late in the game, drive that dagger through the heart. Like, okay, yep, this is my team. And then, of course, there was uh, Matt Hasselbeck in the 2003 NFC wildcard game. And this is very, very early. Like, this is one of my first actual football memories. They're playing the Packers in the wildcard game. And everybody knows this moment. As soon as I say it, Steve, you're, you're going to, st- I'm going to see the smile on your face. Over time, Seahawks, Packers, playoff football. <laughs> Seahawks win the coin toss. Matt Hasebeck leans into the ref, <sighs> not knowing that the ref's mic is on, and says, we want the ball and we're going to score. And right away, I was like, oh, my God, like, let's go. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is it. Like, I love this guy. Like, just so, like, man, like, well, 2003, I would have been like probably 16, 17 years old. And 16-year-old Chris was like just super overconfident. And I was just like, I love this. And then, of course, Matt Hasbeck throws the pick six and in overtime season over. So there, there's been a couple of moments that, you know, that, that have kind of stuck out that I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, I definitely made made the right choice here. But at the, at the end of the day, I, I was just following my dad. That's so funny. It, it's interesting that you say, you know, I, I don't have a cool story and Ted says he doesn't have a cool story. Andrew says he doesn't have a cool story. 
it seems very common that not many people have a cool story as to why they pick their team. It's kind of like this, you know, random, maybe random, but maybe it's sort of like, well, I followed my dad. And to you, that's kind of like a a not cool story. But to me, maybe that's like a cool story. It was like, you know, my dad never really watched a whole lot of NFL football. So, you know, I didn't necessarily pick up my team from him um it's just interesting how people think like oh this isn't a cool story of how I got into my team because I too do not feel like I have like this groundbreaking cool story as to how I picked my team and it's essentially you know never watched a ton of NFL football as like a kid um obviously being on the west coast of Canada like naturally you would think okay maybe they're a Seahawks fan or maybe you know you're a Packers fan or a Cowboys or you know one of those historic teams Um, but I guess my story is just you know my brother was a Ravens fan for I actually don't even know how long he's been a Ravens fan a lot longer than I have Um, he actually moved to Kelowna here uh, while I was still doing high school uh, back in 100 Mile and I just remember this would have been, I don't know, maybe 2003, four kind of range. I remember driving down on certain weekends to visit him and my dad. And um, usually before I left on the Sunday to go back home, um, he would be watching the Ravens. And so it was kind of one of those things where I didn't even know I was becoming a Ravens fan and I was becoming a Ravens fan and you know, I didn't know who these players were. Um, and of course, this is, you know, the days of the defense, defense, defense. And of course, watching some, um, you know, iconic Ray Lewis hits, you know, some big Ed Reed moments. Um, yeah, I guess that's just kind of how I fell into it. And I would say one of my earlier... I don't know. I have a bad memory for like things that have happened way in the past. So I guess one of my favorite early, early moments wasn't until like the 2010 season um, and watching Ray Lewis fold Dustin Keller in half coming across the middle. I was like, yup, yup. This is why I like this team, like just mean, nasty, tough defense you know, when all my other friends were picking teams because like, oh, we have this Tom Brady guy. He's really good at passing and everything's about offense. I go and pick the team that's really good on defense, of course. So so you loved watching Ray Lewis murder people. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, okay, <laughs> let, let's do... Uh... <laughs> Come on, Christopher. This is a family-friendly show. We don't talk about homicide theories. You want to do that, you go over to the ATT podcast. It was never proven. Now, I mean, <laughs> you, you mentioned about, like, not having a cool story, but, um, and, like, you know, like, how, like, yeah, like, it doesn't seem cool to me, but, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you sided with your dad, you sided with your brother, you know, with, with the Ravens, and, like, I guess at the end of the day, like, it's just cool to have someone else that you know to cheer for the same team right you have that person that you can be like 
on a Sunday, you can text your brother and be like, oh my God, did you see that? Or like, or whatever, you know, may have happened in the Ravens game. And like, I, I, I know, I mean, it, it happened tonight with the Canucks game. My dad right. and I were texting back and forth and, and talked about the, the Canucks game. And, and we do the same during football season. We, we text each other during the Seahawks game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're both very similar and we discuss about how pissed off we are about how poorly they're, they're playing, even when they're winning. Um, so it, 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 that aspect of it is really cool where like, you know, yes, I'm, I'm lucky to be in BC and have a lot, be surrounded by a lot of Seahawks fans. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I know I've always got that one person that I can text and be like, Hey dad, like, did you see this? Did you see that? And you can do the same thing with your brother. So that aspect of it is super cool. Yeah. I mean, there's always this, uh, there's always this part of me that always thinks, you know, retrospectively and to think like how much easier would it have been on my life if I had picked the Seahawks? Because like you said, we're in BC here. They're by far the closest team um, geographically. So like, for instance, I've never been to M&T Bank Stadium to watch my team live because they're so far away or like, you know, you tell somebody you're a Ravens fan and they're like, why? Like, you're as far away from, you know, Maryland as you could get. It Part of me wishes, you know, there was a lot more Ravens fans that I could, you know, you know, go grab a beer with or something and just chat Ravens locally here. But then there's also this really cool thing of like, you know, you're just one of 10,000 Seahawks fans. I'm probably like one of 25 Ravens fans. And so when you do come across that one person who, you know, has been a loyal fan for a while, it it's almost like exciting. You're like, whoa, there's another one of you that exists out there. Right. Cause it's like, it would be it's the like exact opposite if we live. Yeah. It, it, you're my unicorn. <laughs> Just kidding. My wife is my unicorn. She always has been, always will be. That's my disclaimer. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Um, okay, let, let's do one more memory lane thing. And this works for us because both of our teams have won a Super Bowl and somewhat recently as well. Um, give me your top two favorite Super Bowl run moment. Like, obviously, winning the Super Bowl is your number one. You can't pick winning the Super Bowl any fool would pick their team like hoisting a Lombardi. Of course, that's going to be the number one. Give me two that aren't hoisting the Lombardi. So two moments that happened during the run for the Seahawks. During, So not in the Super Bowl game itself or just not the actual moment of winning the game? Yeah, not the moment of like hoisting it because you have okay. to assume that's going to be number one for everybody. Yeah, and I mean, of, of course, the, the, the funny thing with Super Bowl 48 is everyone always talks about how boring of a Super Bowl that was. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it's wonderful. My team won 43 to 8 to 8. What are you complaining about? But then like I, I watched, you know, th- this past Super Bowl and I'm like, oh, my God, this is a boring Super Bowl. I, I now understand what everyone's talking about when they're talking complaining about Super Bowl 48. Um, oh man, leading up to the Super Bowl, hey, um, I mean, the absolute, like, I, I remember it was the divisional game, they were playing the New Orleans Saints, 
And don't get me wrong, the Seahawks, I mean, they, they won the Super Bowl. They were clearly the best team in, in the league that year. They had the best defense. That was like prime LOB years. But there was still just that nervousness going into the divisional round, or divisional game against the Saints. You know, Drew Brees, you, you just never know. Um, you know, it, that's the thing with football as well. It, it's it's a one and done, right? It, it's not a best of seven like hockey. And like I mentioned, um, you know, cheering for my, my favorite professional sports teams, I'm used to uh, getting my hopes up and then getting a dagger through the heart late and <laughs> uh, and just being let down and feeling that pain. So I was definitely nervous going into that into that game. And it was I, I don't remember the final score now. I want to say Seattle just trounced them, but it was early in the game against the Saints. It might have even been the Saints first or second uh, offensive possession. And it was like, it was a weird combination of, of events. Like, was it an interception? Was it a fumble? I'm not really sure, but the Seahawks got a defensive touchdown. And it was just from that point forward, they just dominated the rest of the game. And one thing I'll, I'll never forget about that era of the Seahawks, and especially that era of the Seahawks defense, if you saw that Seahawks defense dancing on the field, dancing along to the music that the stadium was playing, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> if they were clearly, clearly feeling it, and they were, yeah, you were in trouble from, from that point forward, and they were dancing that whole game. Um, I mean, of course, leading up to the run, I've already referenced it once. I've got the picture right behind me. How can I not mention it? The tip. I mean, <laughs> it's got a easily, hilarious name too. Easy. I mean, it, it, the, the I, I remember after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl that year. It's like the 49ers got the tip. The Broncos got the whole D. <laughs> 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 I uh, I you're certainly got to say your mouse kids before you say stuff like that on yeah. the show. Earmuffs. I, I shared that all over Facebook, but I, I mean, it, it's just one of those moments where like you see the picture and you know exactly when that happened. I mean, that, that's a whole, that's a big reason why, I mean, so for anyone that, I mean, obviously nobody else can, can see except for Steve, I've got a behind me 16 by 20 photo of Richard Sherman uh, Michael Crabtree, the tip. It's signed by Sherman. Uh, it was actually a, a, a gift to myself after I won Fantasy Football League <laughs> a couple years ago. And it was one of those photos where it's like, I have to have it because I have other signed memorabilia in my man cave here. But there's so few photos where you look at the photo and you're like, I know exactly when that happened. So many of those memorabilia photos, it's like, you know, just, oh, like there's Russell Wilson throwing the football. Well, what game was that? 
I have no idea. But like this one, you can almost like reenact everything from like the announcement call to like the play call. Like you just you can feel Malcolm the play happen, Smith right? Came- yeah, like Malcolm Smith comes down with the interception after Sherman tips the ball. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the the famous interview with Aaron Andrews after the game. Like, you know, like, don't you ever talk about me? Like, oh, like, who was talking about you, Richard? Like, <laughs> Crabtree. Like, that, when you try me with a sorry receiver, that's the result you're going to get. Like, L-O-B. And then just walks away. Like, that's it. He was done. And then, like. The, the cameras just cut and it's just like it's just so I mean such an iconic not only Seahawks moment but sports moment it you know everyone talks about practice and actually um it was funny I was, I was watching uh Ted Lasso with my wife last night and we're we're pretty late into into that sh- that series right now and he was he started going into the Allen Iverson practice rant and as he's saying it I'm saying it I, like I'm I'm reciting the lines before he even says it my wife looks at me and she goes how do you know this because like we've never watched this show before and I'm like it's Allen Iverson pra- talking about <laughs> practice and and it, Richard Sherman Michael Crabtree don't you ever try me with a sorry receiver like that is right up there for me with talking about practice. Yeah, because it's one of those things where you you know it's an iconic NFL moment or NBA moment because it's not your team and you still remembered it. Like, I remember the tip and I remember him losing his mind on Aaron Andrews who was basically like, dude, wh- why are you coming at me with that? Like, tell me who you're talking about. Or, yeah, like I was never a Philadelphia 76ers fan but we all remember the, like practice practice I'm how the, the hell MVP. am i supposed to make my teammates better with practice <laughs> right i'm the mvp of the league and we're talking about practice not the game i not the game i love we're talking about practice so like that's how you know those things are iconic when it's not your team and you can recite the entire thing verbatim basically yeah and that's the funny thing with the the whole Aaron Andrews interview is that like a lot of people are like, a lot of people kind of gave Sherman a little bit of crap about that saying like, Oh, like he's coming at this female reporter, like all hot and whatever. And it's just like, but Aaron, him and Aaron Andrews actually have a really good relationship. Yeah. And I think she tweeted right after being like, no, like we're all good. Like I understand like Sherman was like caught up in the moment and like he gave her a hug. Like, I, I think it was it was um, before they even started uh, filming. He like walked up to her and gave her like a a, a bear hug, and then right. the the cameras and went I, to them and and he started his interview. And it's one of those things where these on field reporters, I think, you know, to Erin Andrews' credit, she's smart enough to understand like whatever I get right now, this is going to be like full adrenaline rush response like for better for worse whatever it is like you know you could almost tell like it it obviously caught her off guard but she was i don't know i mean i don't want to speak for aaron andrews but it didn't look like she was offended or felt attacked or anything like that it was just like yeah in it really interesting that you picked that um i obviously assumed you would given the picture there um 
my two from the Super Bowl run, um, when we talked about doing this sort of trip down memory lane, there was just so many to choose from. Um, and it, it's so hard without kind of like the backstory of it. So for anybody who doesn't really know the Ravens uh, Super Bowl run on their second Super Bowl title, the year before... Um, they were playing New England in Foxborough, and New England was obviously the team to beat. Uh, the Ravens were one of those few teams that had their number on the road. And, you know, of course, being stupid, younger version of me, your team is marching down. There's almost no time on the clock. And Flacco throws a pass to Lee Evans. And Lee Evans catches it in the end zone. And stupid, naive Steve starts celebrating and is so amped up. And like all my hopes and dreams are out in the open to get absolutely crushed when the ball gets popped out. Um, because he basically lets his guard down. <sighs> I'm Like I'm still you can tell that I'm a little angry about this still to this day as a grown adult. Um, anyways, so no worries, young Steve, right? No worries because guess what? It's a chip shot of a field goal. How many times have we heard that? We'll kick the field goal. You know, we've been right in this game. There's a chance to win in overtime and Billy Cundiff shanks it so far. Like it's not even close. I want... I want to say it was like under 30 yards and it is not even a close field goal, not even remotely close. And I just remember being the most devastated, you know, to that point that I ever had. So, you know, of course, when they're on their Super Bowl run, they're playing Peyton Manning. They're on the road in Denver. We're down by a little bit and new intelligent me decides that I'm not going to get my hopes up with whatever's going to happen in this game. And this game is referred to as the mile high miracle because out of nowhere, Flacco in his, you know, Bambi like movement in the pocket somehow gets away from the front seven of Denver, which is ridiculous at the time. And he chucks up the miracle and there is no business the that the defenders should be pushing in at all like the game is over if you just even let Jacoby Jones catch the ball and tackle him but you let him get behind you he scores it the mile high miracle I think is probably number one on most Ravens fans list it's just yeah I can remember everything about that play and I frequently watch it to remind myself like good things can happen to you Steve they can. Um, and my one, it kind of fits with this whole theme of like, you know, not getting your hopes up, but then getting your hopes up um, and kind of the roller coaster emotion of being a fan. Um, my number one memory is actually when the lights go out in, <laughs> in the Superdome. And of course, Terrell Suggs said it best. Good old Roger Goodell just can't let us have one. And of course, at this point, 
The Ravens are blowing out the Niners. It's not even a close game. <sighs> Dumb Steve came back for this game and he said, it's over, baby. It's over. And sure enough, the lights go out and still young Steve decides that, you know what? Get your hopes up because it's over. There's no way they can come back. And of course, the Niners, after what is it, like the 38-minute delay, start marching back and old Steve decides it's a good time to turn your head away kind of moment. Like, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I gained so many gray hairs that game watching them come back. It comes down to the final stand on the goal line. We all know this is Ray Lewis's last ride. It's like this movie script kind of ending. And of course... As fate would have it, Michael Crabtree also does not catch the final pass uh, on the final play of that game. Um, he, you know, kind of pushes Jimmy Smith down and kind of like this offensive pass interference kind of move. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like, why are they not throwing a flag for this? And then in that same second, he doesn't catch it. And I'm like, I don't care about the flag. We just won the Super Bowl. Yes, here we go. <laughs> Crabtree's really really good at not uh, not catching the ball. Yeah. And then Baltimore went and got him, you know, shortly after that. Wasn't that the, the Ray Lewis uh, deer spray year or whatever that was? Yeah, when they, they talked about how he had the tricep injury and, you know, how could you come back so fast from a tricep injury? Oh, it's because I was using deer antler spray or something like that. Yeah. I never got too Just far to... into that story. I mean, you look at him, you look at his apparel in that moment, and he's got like a robo arm. He's got, he was like one of the first people to wear that, like, you know, Don Joy knee brace on your arm. And he just <laughs> looks so badass. That was when. You know, you got to have like the full blacked out visor and you could have like the Chris Canty kind of like um, Bane looking face shield. And of course, he had one and Terrell Suggs had the same thing and they just looked so nasty. It was so awesome to see. So I have to ask when your team, you know, final whistle, zeros on the clock, confetti's going. What was your reaction? Um. Yeah, the interesting part about that is, you know, I'm also a Canucks fan. Um, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I remember, obviously, when the Jays won, but I was so young that I didn't really understand your team winning. Um, it's kind of, it, it's something you always think about, like, how would I react when my team won? And the only thing I could do was just not talk. Like when they say like speechless, I literally just sat there and like in complete awe, I couldn't believe that it's over. Like all the weight is off your shoulders. You breathe a little bit. And yeah, for me, I literally just couldn't talk. It was just soak it in. What, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> or do, is this appropriate? Uh, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's appropriate. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I cried. I was soaking up my tears with my 12 flag that was wrapped around my shoulders. <laughs> I was chugging champagne from a bottle. 
like late in the game, I mean, the, like I said, the, you know, the the, the Seahawks, there, there wasn't really any question uh, pretty late in that game that they were winning that game. Uh, so we had a, three. Yeah, we had, we had a cheap bottle of champagne in the house, so I <laughs> shoved it shoved it in the freezer to to cool it down, and uh, and you know, late so after they they win it or whatever and i'm i'm grabbing the, the the red solo cups and i'm passing out uh champagne to to all the guests we had a house full of people um i had a salad bowl full of skittles i don't know if i still have the, the photo <laughs> on my phone but like i had so, like just the the most ridiculous ridiculous amount of skittles um which actually i, I grabbed uh, after the game was over, I grabbed a handful. I ran out my front door and I threw them out in the front yard and um, was yeah chugging champagne from the bottle, crying. Um, you know after after everybody left, you know you know when the game ends and and the ad hits and it's just like Seattle Seahawks fans, your team just won yeah. the Super Bowl and like go to Sports Illustrated now and order the all this merchandise or whatever. I ordered two by accident because I was so drunk that I forgot I ordered the first one that <laughs> after everybody left, I ordered the second one. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just ordering like this Sports Illustrated, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you <laughs> already talk. It's she, okay. She's, she's like, you already did that. I was like, well, I just did it again, <laughs> I guess. Oops. And like I, 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 Ted was still at Jersey City at that time. And I, I remember texting Ted and being like, "Put me down two of everything." Like I was just <laughs> like, just over the top. Like, oh my god, I can't believe my team just did this. Like a, a team that I cheer for just won a championship. It honestly, it makes all the all the losing sense. Um, a little more bearable. Um, you know, Super Bowl 49, notwithstanding that, uh, that hurt at the moment, but, uh, I'm, I'm over it now. Um, yeah, man, just, uh, just unbelievable. Like I honestly, I, I don't even remember the trophy ceremony cause I mean, a, I was just hammered, uh, B I was crying through it. And also I would like to add in cause I know my wife's not listening anyway, so she's not going to correct me on this, but, uh, my daughter is actually a Super Bowl baby. So, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl in uh, February 2014, and my daughter was born in November 2014. So she is a Super Bowl baby, and uh, again, my wife's not listening to fact check me on that one, and so I'm right. Oh my goodness, I hope your daughter never has to hear about this, or poor, poor, poor child. Um, I yeah, mean, that... let's be real. I like I just said, I was so drunk, I was crying through the trophy ceremony. My daughter wasn't conceived that night. No, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny that you you mentioned like you know crying through it, and and I feel like that's a lot of people's reactions in the time, and I feel like it happens more the longer you're with a team, like. I've always felt like if the Canucks were to ever do it, um, you know, I've been watching hockey since before I could talk. You know, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, you know, I'd been watching the team for, you know, let's let's call it 
10 years, which is, which is quite a bit of time. You know, it's a, it's a long time to cheer for a team. I can't say I was like a hardcore fan where I'm going to do a podcast about my team or anything like that. Um, but you know, the Canucks, you know, that's been decade after decade after decade of just losing, losing, losing. Um, that's definitely one that I could see myself, uh, just finally breaking down. And that's where the, the slogan we've been going back to flags fly forever. Cause in that moment, you know, it doesn't matter how bad your team is for the next 10 years or heck until you die. It doesn't matter because you've won at least one. You got to be a part of one. And that's why it's so that moment is just so overwhelming. And ironically, our two guests that have been on have never and quite possibly never will feel that for their two teams. Um, Just thought I'd get one more kind of dig in there. of Lions (laughs) and Browns fans. Um, Okay, we uh, we have a little treat for you. We're going to do a little bit of role reversal where I am actually going to host um, our third down segment today and Chris gets to be the guinea pig. So I I had messaged Chris before this and I said, okay, cool, let's jump on the pod tonight. You got a third down? Nope. I said, okay, I'm going to do one. And... Quite a, So Chris has no idea what we're about to do, and it's quite ironic that he brought up the Allen Iverson soundbite, because today's third down segment is famous NFL post rants. Just NFL. Just NFL. So it, it's a little bit of a awesome. shorter one. I've got four matchups for you. Hopefully you've heard all of these and hopefully you're not going to pull a Steve and, uh, you know, football movie blunder. So uh, what do you think? Are you ready? Uh, Don't worry. The only real football I don't watch is college football and uh, ready as I'm ever going to be. Third down. All right, here we go. So this actually got inspired because... Um, just recently, I think it was early last week, uh, Bill Belichick is on his game already. He throws out this recent gem. He's talking to a reporter. Um, the reporter goes, hey, Bill, how are you doing? And in his Bill Belichick kind of monotone, good, how about you? The reporter goes, no complaints, no complaints. And the reporter is about to, you know, go on with what he was going to say. And again, in his very monotone, Bill Belichick, but snide ways, he goes, that's good. We don't want to hear them anyways. And just, he, you know, as much as I have hated the Patriots over the years being a Ravens fan, I absolutely love the way he deals with the media. He is so cutthroat and he is so underhanded, dry, funny. Um, so the first match is actually going to be a, a Bill Belichick one to start. And I've actually called this matchup the repeater. So in a famous Bill Belichick one, he gets asked a bunch of questions about a loss and, you know, he kind of just says, we're on to Cincinnati and they keep prodding him. We're getting ready for Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. So that's the first one. 
And this is going up against one that you will know very well, which is Marshawn Lynch's I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> and my favorite one about that is right at the very end, the reporter almost gets him and goes, hey, my daughter would just like a little quick shout out if that's cool. And he sort of smiles at him and says, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> so you got Bill versus Marshawn. That's a uh, great, great matchup. Um, if I remember correctly, too, the the Belichick thing, I mean, it, it became a, a bit of a internet sensation and and it's something that you see uh probably even still to this day where it's just like you know we're we're, we're on to cincinnati or we're, we're on to the next next team or, or whatever it may be um and, and then of course i mean i mean marshawn that was the the lead up to super bowl 49 and of course marshawn is a very he, he's a quiet dude like uh unless he doesn't want to be like he Marshawn talks when Marshawn wants to talk. Otherwise he's just like, <laughs> doesn't want to have anything to do with the media. Right. Like, you know, it was, I'm just here. So I, so I don't get fined. And, and there was, yeah, there's a couple of moments where, where te- you know, the, the media almost got him and he, he just looks at me and goes, you know why I'm here. Yeah. And it, yeah, uh, that was, that was, I mean, People, I think, still quote the "I'm just here, so I so I don't get fined, and I don't care if you call me biased. I'm I'm going Marshawn on this one." Yeah, I kind of assumed you would go there, but for for good reasons that I would say that was probably my winner too. I um, mean, it was Super Bowl media week. How do you not go with the guy right. during Super Bowl media week, just avoiding the media? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, matchup number two, we've got Mike Singletary is absolutely livid with Vernon Davis. He kicks Vernon Davis out of the game, sends him back to the locker room, and his famous quote is, cannot play with him, cannot win with him, cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. So there's Mike Singletary is going up against uh, another heavyweight one here in Jim Mora. And this one's kind of a split one, but obviously Jim Mora, we know from a couple different ones. Uh, This one goes, we sucked. We got our asses totally kicked in the second half. And then, you know, the clip then turns to a different one, but it's still, it's kind of all the same one. It was playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? playoffs i just hope we can win a game and of course i'm trying to do my best impressions of them <laughs> uh uh subpar impressions but it it I, as you're uh retelling those sound bites i don't worry i can hear the actual sound bites in in the back of my head yeah uh i mean spending years and years uh working at a sports retail store uh where we had tvs that were only allowed to be on the sports channels uh i have heard both of these sound bites numerous times uh and it is absolutely Jim Mora. Like it has to like playoffs. I just want to win a game. Like just the look on his face, everything about it. I think they even didn't they uh, win that game too. Like 
for the, the with that soundbite. Like, I'm pretty sure they won that game. I just and love still, how high like, his just, voice goes on it. Yeah, yeah, it it's absolutely has to be Jim Mora. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, the next one is a little bit of a. I, I feel like this one's a little underrated. Now I don't actually know the background uh, to these ones. Uh, we got Herm Edwards, who is coaching the New York Jets, and it's, you play to win the game. Yeah. You don't play just to play it. You play to win the game. And that's going up against the feud between Shannon Sharp and Ray Buchanan. I'm not sure if you remember this one, where Shannon Sharp is just like, they are mad at each other. And he goes, is he my friend? No. Did I view him as a friend? No. Do I like him? No. If I see him in a snowstorm, his truck broken down, mine is going perfectly, would I pick him up? No. So you got Herm <laughs> Edwards versus Shannon Sharp. Um, the Shannon Sharp one sounds vaguely familiar. I, I, I don't know that one as well. Uh, so I, I have to go with the one that I know here, and it's the, you play to win <laughs> the game. Hello, <laughs> Herm Edwards. Isn't it funny? Like, I, you know, you just give somebody a name and they can recite like the tone and like how long they paused in between each word. And, you know, you nobody can see it, but you've also got the hand actions going in there. Like you just they're they're iconic moments, right? I, I, I still remember Herm up at the up, up at the podium for that one, too. Like he's like. He's kind of like standing like to the side yeah. and like he's just he's talking out of the side of his mouth and just uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> again, I, I watched way too many uh, sports highlight shows in my early 20s when we were working at Jersey City. So I, I've seen these clips over and over and over and over again. But that is one. Ex exactly. I can see it. I can hear it. Like I, I, I know that one inside and out. Yeah, that Another classic, right? Um, and finally, our last matchup here, we've got T.O., Terrell Owens, getting choked up for his boy, Tony Romo. So <laughs> that's my teammate. That's my quarterback. Of course, that one's funny for all the right reasons. Uh, going up against Dennis Green. And the Bears who are who we thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. I was so worried you weren't <laughs> going to include that one. <laughs> the Dennis Green one, believe it or not, that is one of those sound bites I remember when it happened. I could tell you exactly oh, where really? I was and okay. what I was doing. When that sound clip happened, that was from the, uh, it was from the, I, I think it was the 2006, 2007 season. Um, it, it was the year that the, the bears went to the Super Bowl, um, against the Colts and the, the Cardinals who of course, Dennis green was coaching at, at the time, uh, got up early in the game and just to to squander the lead late and and lose the game, of course, leading him to uh, to to just being so enraged in the post game press conference and 
you know, the if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. And then he like smacks the microphone <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. so like I said, I, I was uh, I was sitting <laughs> so I think it is I was I just back from Europe or was I like right before I I, I wanna say I was like I don't know, it, I wanna say I was right after getting back from Europe or shortly thereafter and I was sitting at my parents kitchen table uh and of all things I was doing a life insurance application <laughs> with some guy from that like my mom's union like came and knocked on the door like late at night being like oh like through your mom's union you can get life insurance and blah 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 and like and uh, I, I remember late in the application, he was, he was asking about smoking cigarettes. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, I can't, I can't really answer this question. Like, I'm, I'm 20 years old. And, but, like, I know if I answer yeses, my, my dad's going to kick my ass. So, like, dad, go watch a football game. And uh, so I'm, like, <laughs> quietly answering this guy's questions or whatever. And as I'm doing the application, the, the game ends. And the, the Denny Green uh, – press conference is is up and so it's it's absolutely dennis green because any time you have one of those i remember where i was moments you you have to go with that one definitely uh yeah it's just i i, I was even gonna hit my mic as well i trying to save the uh the audience their their eardrums but it's just so funny he is that enraged where he hits the mic and you think like okay, you know what? He said his piece, he's going to leave. And then he just keeps going. Like he's still yelling into this like half decapitated mic now. <laughs> so to recap your uh, champions here, you got to pick one. You've got Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you got Jim Mora. You got Herm Edwards and you got Dennis Green. I think I know where you're going with it, but we will see. It's Dennis Green. It's absolutely Dennis Green. Like I said, it, it's one of those moments I, I mean, I, I just re recited back to you exactly where I was and what I was doing uh, when that press conference happened. And uh, don't worry, Dad, I, I, I said no when he asked me if I was smoking cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's Dennis you know. Green. And if you want to crown him, go ahead and crown his ass. <laughs> now... I, I would award you the win, but uh, you weren't going against anybody. So for this week, we are going to give you an honorary no contest, um, which is essentially the same thing as a loss because it's kind of like a tie. Um, I'll go ahead so and you take the no one. contest. We'll, we'll uh, assume that we took the uh, the old WWF style double count out. And <laughs> so it's like... I didn't really lose, but I also didn't win. So I, I still don't hold the uh, the belt there. It's like, you know, when a fighter has the, the the no contest or something, it's like, oh, oh, and then one NC. So, yeah, congratulations. should have gotten a no contest last night. That's for sure. Yep. Um, we're pretty much out of time here. Um, I'm actually going to give the shout out crown this week. And this is to somebody who has, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine. He's been listening every single week. Um, he is one of few people to give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. He did give us five stars or else he would not be getting the shout out crown. 
So Not the guy that told us how hot we sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody's <laughs> ponied up to that one yet. But uh, if you guys want to see something funny, go look through some of our reviews. I, I still think it's uh, our buddy Kyle who left it saying how hot we sound. And, you know, it's also a bonus that we know what we're talking about. So um, we appreciate you, whoever you are. I'm still pretty sure it's Kyle. But the shout out crown this week. Uh, goes to John E. Buchanan. So, big round of applause for him. Thank you, John. Um, do you got anything else to add for the for this week? No. Uh, you know, we we discussed before coming on here. Um, what are we going to talk about this week? Because it's a slim pickings uh, NFL week as far as news goes. Um, I do, do just want to share really quick. I, I saw a Vince Lombardi quote online before we jumped on here. I said I was going to share it with you. And uh, it was uh, how Vince Lombardi decided who was going to be, who's going to play offense and who was going to play defense. <laughs> so it's the mean, tough guys always had been part of the defensive line picture. Vince Lombardi used to say that usually he could look at a big lineman and tell whether he would play offense or defense. <laughs> if his hair was combed and he said, yes, sir, and no, sir, and I'd really like to become an outstanding professional football player, he was an offensive man. <laughs> but if he came in in an old leather jacket and a two-day growth of beard <laughs> and spat on the floor and asked, how much are you paying me? He was defense all the way. <laughs> Which, uh, if you know, it, if there was ever a better way of describing who was playing offense and who was playing defense, I think that is absolutely it. And there's no wonder why the uh, why the trophy is named after the man. Uh, but no, that that's all I wanted to share this week. Uh, you know, we already t- discussed the the little bits that the Seahawks have done. Um, please, uh, you know, uh, go uh, follow us over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. Please listen to the podcast. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon. Like wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there. Please make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Give us those five stars and, uh, you know, interact with us on Twitter. Tell us what you want me to see uh, or what you want to see me wearing when I run my 40. And, of course, as always, every week, guys, go Hawks. Peace. Do. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.